Uh, <laughs> okay, all right. So, hello and welcome back to the Daily Bible Reading Show. We're looking at Acts chapter 15. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised, according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So big problem, you know, a bunch of people coming to your church saying you guys aren't really Christians. Yeah, because what you need to do is you need to be circumcised you need to follow the law of moses and then you can become christians and you've kind of like taken the shortcut so you're like maybe half a christian that kind of thing so Paul and barnabas not very happy with that because they're imposing on these gentiles you know rules they never grew up with and rules that actually have nothing to do with christianity because they were all fulfilled in christ they were all abolished in christ but still, you know, it was a really serious issue. So what the church did was they sent Paul and Barnabas down to Christianity HQ. You know, for Chinese churches, it would be COCM. For the Anglican church, it would be Lambeth Palace with the Archbishop. They're going to sort this matter out in the very, you know, with, with the top guys. Yeah. Um, verse 3, so being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. They made lots of stops and encouraged all these churches. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees, they rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them, order them to keep the law of Moses. So the sign of circumcision is so important. And Jewish faith, essentially, you must be circumcised in order to be Jewish. And the law of Moses is talking about the totality of all the other rules associated with this. So the, the circumcision thing, that's like a given, but also all the food laws, all the ceremonial laws, things you uh, can wear, things you can't do, um, how you're meant to you know, grow your beard, that kind of thing. Actually, I'm not sure about the beard thing, <laughs> but, but the idea is you must be Jewish. And so all these Gentiles have to adopt a kind of Jewish culture in order to become a Christian. And I don't know what, how you feel about that. You might think that that's silly, but you know, that's a really real thing. You know, church culture can become so important to us and almost define us as a Christian. And it isn't until someone comes into your church that isn't from your culture, that's so com contrary to your culture that you go, hey, you know, there's something wrong with that. They need to change, not that we need to adapt. They aren't Christians because we have been this way. This is what it means for us to be Christians. And they're kind of like threatening us the way that we've lived our lives uh, as Christians in this culture for a long time. And so they need to change. Uh, verse 6, the apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days, God made a choice among you that by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God knows the heart, bore witness to them and giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us and made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Well, let me just check who's, who's saying this. Peter. <laughs> so Peter is saying this. Remember, Peter is the one who had this same conversation uh, with, with them about Cornelius and convinced them that God really wants to reach the Gentiles. 
And so he is um, retelling the story of how he was convinced of this. And the Holy Spirit was poured out on Cornelius. Verse 10, Now therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we, be, we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. And it makes... I think a big difference, I think it's really important that it's Peter who's saying this. You know, he's the leader of the church at this point of time. He's a representative of all the Jewish Christians at this point of time. And he's speaking up for the non-Jewish Christians. So you almost have an advocate from someone on the inside saying that, you know, we shouldn't burden them. You know, even we can't deal with this. You know, it's a burden for us. Why are we burdening them with this thing that we can't? handle ourselves so verse 12 and all the assembly fell silent and they listened to barnabas and paul as they related what signs and wonders god had done through them among the gentiles and after they finished speaking james replied brothers listen to me simeon has related how god first visited the gentiles to take from them a people from for his name and with this the words of the prophets agree just as it is written after this i will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. And I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it. That the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from of old. Therefore my judgment is this. We should not trouble those of the Gentiles to turn to God. But should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols. And from sexual immorality. And what has been strangled. And from blood. For from ancient generations Moses has, in, has had in every city those who proclaim him. For he is read every Sabbath in the synagogues. So finally James stands up. Uh, by the way I said Peter was the leader of the church uh, at this point of time well actually no uh, peter is kind of like handed it over so james is actually taken over peter's position he's now kind of like head of the council and he has the last word and what he says is um two things number one he just reaffirms that you know god has brought gentiles into the kingdom uh, verse 13 um uh, do, 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 uh, james replied listen to me you know, uh, Simeon or Peter has said how God first visited the Gentiles, brought the people for his name, so they're part of the people now. And then he quotes scripture, talk about how God will rebuild the tent of David, rebuild this kingdom of David and restore it. And actually, in part of this restoration is the Gentiles coming into the kingdom. Verse 17, all the Gentiles call by my name. You know, they will seek the Lord. And so therefore, this is, something that God has planned in terms of restoring his kingdom through Jesus. These Gentiles are part of that kingdom, is part of that restoration, meaning unless they come in, this restoration will not be complete. So therefore, so first thing is as he affirms, yep, you know, we need to affirm that these guys are brothers and sisters in Christ. They are not Jewish and we shouldn't impose on them Jewish rules. However, however, he adds this additional thing. Uh, verse 19, my judgment is that we should not trouble those who turn to God, but we should write to them. This letter, tell them to abstain from things polluted by idols. I think talking about food, you know, don't eat food offered up to idols. From sexual immorality and from what has been strangled, talking about 
adding food again, <laughs> and from blood. <coughs> so these are cultural <coughs> practices that are often associated with um, pagan acts of worship, I think. That's why, you know, the food offered up to idols, you know, blood, that kind of thing. Uh, and at the same time, are offensive to God. Um, and you would think, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. We are just saying that we don't want to burden them with Jewish laws and that here you've just added some laws. You know, what's going on? What's going on? Um, I think uh, John's thought, and I might be wrong, I, I think remember reading this in John's thoughts commentary. It's really short, actually, very pithy. But he talks about how um, these are, I don't know. Um, I, I Honestly, I can't remember uh, what he said exactly. I just remember that he referenced this and that it's not actually laws that you're imposing upon them, but you're almost uh, thinking sensitively of the Jewish people around them, to put it that way. So, you know, in every one of these cities, he says, verse 21, Moses has been preached. So in every one of these cities, therefore, there, is, there are Jewish people. And in our, now you're starting to see amongst the Jewish people, um, people becoming Christians, some of them Jews, and many of them becoming Christians who are non-Jews. So the Jews who are Christians are now getting offended. They, they, it, you know, it's almost understandable. They're offended that they see these Christians now not following the same kind of rules they used to follow, especially if they're inviting them, inviting them to say a mealtime and, oh no, this food is unclean, or you just came from that unclean place. And, and, and it's such a problem of conscience for them. And therefore, I think, I think what James is saying is in consideration of them, you know, in love out of them, especially your Jewish brothers and sisters who become Christians, maybe be sensitive in the way that you practice these cultural things, you know, eating foods to offer up to idols, that kind of thing. And just so that it doesn't hinder the work of the gospel. So it doesn't mean that you're less Christian. If anything, it's calling you to be more Christian in being gracious, in considering the weaker conscience. So you are the stronger Christian, in other words, those who are Gentiles. But for their sake, if say, you know, the equivalent for us is someone who can't eat meat, you know, just have vegetables with them. Someone who can't drink, you know, don't have a beer, that kind of thing. You know, it's not that you can't have it, but for their sake, you're being considerate. And I think that's just what is going on. It's not saying that these things are wrong or that it's, uh, they're nothing. You know, they're, they're, they actually don't affect your faith. And Paul talks about that later in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. But uh, here it's talking about the consideration of those who have weaker faith, uh, weaker consciences. And so this is for their sake and also for the sake of the gospel, of course, so that it doesn't hinder. There aren't problems when you're trying to evangelize and there are people who are Jewish people hearing you evangelize. I think that's I think that's what's going on. I think it's a kind of consideration, a kind of grace that's that's very real. You know, people are going to be offended when uh, Christians who are being converted are not like them. Uh, I, I cannot tell you how many times I've heard the same story of older Christians being offended with drums in church and that kind of thing. They get very, very heated. And, you know, on the one hand, you go, you know, wow, you know, we've come so long. And yet, you know, out of consideration for them, a lot of times these people who are being berated unfairly, you know, they say, okay, all right, I'm so sorry. You know, they, they try to understand where they're coming from. And um, they don't try to pick a fight, in other words. And there are so many other examples. Uh, but again, 
this is a good kind of problem. The good kind of problem is that so many Gentiles are coming to faith. So many non-Jewish people are becoming Christians. Or the equivalent for us here in the UK would be so many um, um, non-Anglicans are becoming Christians. So many non-British people are becoming Christians and coming to your church. It's going to ruffle some feathers. Uh, you're going to have to deal with it on both ends. On one end, you need to deal with those who are the old-timers saying, hey, these guys are our brothers and sisters. God has brought them in his kingdom. Who are we to start imposing on them all these unnecessary rules? But at the same time, you're also speaking to those who are newcomers, who've never had to deal with these rules and baggage before, saying, please be considerate. You know, especially now that you're worshiping together with people who are all their lives have been obeying these rules. Please be considerate. You know, you have this freedom, but also not to um, misuse this freedom to be gracious, to use it as an opportunity to display love towards these uh, old timers who have weaker consciences. I think that's what's going on. Verse 22. Oh, wow, there's, there's more to go. Let me, let me just read, read through it. Just cover up and uh, cover it and finish chapter 15. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brothers with the following letter. The brothers, uh, both the apostles and the elders to the brothers who are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia, greetings. Since we've heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words, unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instruction, it seemed good to us, uh, has seemed good to us, having come to one accord to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, uh, men who have risked their lives for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood, what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you do you will do well. Farewell. So when they were sent off, they went out to Antioch and having gathered the congregation together, they, read, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And this is an encouraging thing. They sent represented Silas and um, Barsabbas. You know, they sent their own people together with their people, together with Paul and Barnabas, Silas and, Bar and Barsabbas, meaning they're together in this. This is what we've agreed. We want to encourage you. You are the real thing. And please, could you be gracious in these practices uh, that are often associated with pagan worship? Okay, and Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers in many words. And after they had spent some time there, they were sent off in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how, they're, how they are. So consider it. That's follow-up. You know, he's concerned about them. He's curious how they're doing. And he wants to make that trip to go encourage them. Um, yeah. Now Barnabas wanted to take with him John, called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with him one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone down with them in the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement, so they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. 
and he went through Cilicia and Cilicia, Syria and Cilicia strengthening the churches. So, so interesting. You know, these two guys who've been together through so much, they're like the best of friends. Barnabas was the guy, the guy who brought Paul into the team. You know, he was only trusted him, you know, falling out. You know, they had that disagreement. It was so sharp because um, there was this guy in between, John Mark. Uh, Paul didn't trust him. Barnabas trusted him. So he said, okay, you know what? I cannot deal with this. They both went separate ways. And as a result, you know what, uh, it's it's awkward. You know, it, it's not always the best thing, but God used it. You know, used it to bring more gospel work, to cover more ground. And eventually, it's worth saying that eventually that uh, Paul uh, does reconcile with Mark. So this isn't the end. But uh, these things happen, you know, these kind of conflicts. This chapter deals with lots of potential and real conflicts that happen within the church between brothers who all are of the same faith, but, you know, uh, in different seasons, they find themselves not always agreeing with one another. That happens. That happens. I think the most important thing is that if you keep your eye on the gospel, you keep your eye on serving God with faithfulness, eventually the paths will meet again. But when they do diverge, when they go do in different directions, you know, God is God as well. You know, God can use that, you know, bring more fruit to the gospel, cause them to go different directions, that kind of thing. You know, Paul goes here, Barnabas goes there. More people hear the gospel. You know, God can use that as well. And even in this earlier kind of controversy about, um, you know, should the Gentiles do this and that, the result of that is actually the church is strengthened. They are even more affirming of the fact that those guys, those Gentiles, those outsiders, they are brothers and sisters in Christ. And there's a kind of clarity that comes out of that. You know, they, 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 they ask for them to, you know, to display grace in the way that they're worshiping. They send Silas and Barsabbas. It just results in a lot more fellowship, a lot more clarity in terms of doctrine, a lot more, you know, purpose, a, more, a lot more um, uh, uh, deliberateness, you know, when it comes to what it means to preach the gospel and how to move forward in terms of church relationships. You know, more churches now are connected to one another as a result of this controversy, but also as a result of love, of a kind of wisdom in dealing with this controversy in a very biblical way. Um, yeah, so that's Acts chapter 15. Uh, a lot more to go, but at least we're more than halfway. At least, at least we've gone past chapter 14. Um, I, I, hope, I hope we'll get to the end. Yeah, but thanks for joining me. This has been a Daily Bible Reading Show, reading Acts chapter 15 live. See you in the next one. Bye-bye.